So no matter how hard you're trying, if you're not sleeping well, that could really be harming your natural surge of growth hormone, which occurs during deep sleep, but also raising your cortisol, which can hamper your efforts at losing weight despite the exercising, especially getting at at 4.30 in the morning or 5 a.m. to work out. Welcome to This Functional Life, a show for women just like you who are ready for more health, vitality, passion, purpose. We're going to deconstruct norms, uncover your deepest desires, harness your physical and mental health, and peel back the layers to uncover exactly what you want out of life. I'm your host, Betty Murray, part geek, heart magician, and your new medical bestie with a dash of sass. I love taking complex science and making it easy to understand and integrate into daily life. Join the journey to make this chapter the best ever. Let's get thriving. So if you've been listening to this functional life, you know that sleep to me is one of the most vital components of being healthy and well. So today's guest is Dr. Farah Sultan. She's a medical doctor, double board certified in family medicine and functional and regenerative medicine. She has trained and worked in three continents, including India, the UK, and US. She's a medical director and CEO of Vitology Wellness and MedSpa, and is the founder of Mandala Method. She's an international award-winning speaker and expert in sleep and hormone balance, and has helped thousands of women regain their sleep energy, and youthfulness without the use of addictive prescription medications. She lives with her husband of over 23 years and three children in Birmingham, Alabama, and loves to travel, read, garden, cook, and is into biohacking. And today we talked about sleep. And some of the major highlights of what we talked about is what's really happening in the brain, and particularly in women, when we enter perimenopause and menopause and the hormonal things that are shifting that cause us to have more insomnia, interrupted sleep, cognitive issues, even brain fog, and what are the most key things that you may be able to do about fixing that sleep, including some biohacks that can really help you work on sleep hygiene before you think about taking supplements and medications and things like bioidentical hormones. Now, definitely, we also covered the bioidentical hormone and some of the best sleep supplements you can take too. So this is a really well-rounded conversation on how to get some really great improvement in sleep without a lot of effort. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Let's get on with the show with Dr. Farah. Well, I'm excited to have you on, Dr. Farah. Everybody that listens to this uh, functional life knows that sleep is such an important conversation for really any healthcare problem. But particularly for women in the season of life, it seems to be You know, I think one of the big rocks that either keeps us from getting well or when we can master it really, really accelerates that whole process of really slowing down the aging process and making us feel better. So tell me in your estimation and your experience, why is, why is sleep problems and insomnia such an epidemic, particularly for women? That's so true. We spend one third of our lives sleeping. And so, first of all, it's so essential to have a good night's rest. But it's true that as women go through that stage of perimenopause and menopause, sleep, unfortunately, takes a big hit. And one of the reasons, a big underlying reason, obviously, is our 
hormonal changes, especially the loss of some of our hormones that help with both initiation as well as maintenance of sleep, waking up restfully, and of course, sleeping through the night. There are hormone changes going on, then associated with that, your body is going through changes, there's stress associated with it, there's gut changes that can be linked to it. So it's this whole plethora of events that are going on that are impacting our sleep. And what I do is connect that sleep all the rhythm of sleep and all the things that impact sleep with these changes that a woman is undergoing with her hormones so that she can get that leg up and really up her game with her health and wellness and longevity. So I have a a personal question just because most of the time, you know, we work on the things that we ourselves struggle with. Do you, did you run into this or have you run into this as, as you sort of move through your timeline of life? Was this a big issue for you? Oh, for sure. So I'm uh, 51 and started uh, noticing really in the perimenopause period that sleep, which came so easily previously, because when I was a resident, I could go to sleep anywhere, anytime, even with young kids. My life changed, my sleep changed, because that's a big, um, uh, important era in a woman's life when things change. And then with perimenopause, just struggling with staying asleep, starting a new business, there was just too much going on in my life. And then to be not sleeping well and not ready to put forth my A game the next morning was a big struggle. And so I really wanted to dive in and really explore why this was happening, what were some of the root causes and how I could help myself so that I could help the people I serve as well. It's so rare for me in clinical practice to talk to a woman that's entering into her 40s that says, I sleep like a rock. Mm -hmm. And they first think it's because they have children and maybe they train themselves. Like, I've trained myself to wake up in the middle of the night when they were little. And then I trained myself to wake up in the middle of the night because they're teens. (laughs) But But it really is this extraordinary problem that when we struggle with it, it just leads to so many other health problems. And I think you pointed out, obviously, there's a hormonal component. But there's a feedback loop that your hormones get worse when your sleep gets worse. Do you find that to be true? Yes. The whole HBA axis, which influences everything else. And then at crossroads with our immune system, our brain and our memory, that brain gut connection, the whole process of retaining memory, focus, mood, immune system, and also really cleaning up your system and doing all the restoration and repair work happens during sleep. And that's why it's so important to prioritize sleep. A lot of times, that's the one thing we will skimp on, even though we may go to the gym, we may eat healthy. And it's not necessary that we're stressed out. There may be exciting things going on in our lives. But one of the things that gets relegated to the back burner is sleep when it is absolutely essential. Really, there are so many things that we can do just by lifestyle, just by mindset that can influence our sleep without having to take 
either supplements or addicting medications or even hormones. Right. Yeah. Because I think a lot of times people jump to, I need to take something for sleep and they overlook all of those kind of sleep hygiene things that are so important. So highlight some of the ones that you think are the biggest sleep hygiene issues that people need to do. Definitely. I would put circadian rhythm at the top because of our modern day inventions, especially our devices, 24-hour lighting. What uh, can really suffer is our neurotransmitters like melatonin, serotonin, and cortisol, which have a major role to play in sleep. And so simple things like syncing your sleep rhythm with that of the sun and even the moon can really help you sleep better. And there are numerous studies corroborating this. So especially in the morning, I do recommend getting out in the sunshine uh, before 10 a.m. And the spectrum and the wavelengths of sunshine that we are exposed to at the retinal level that communicates with your optic nerve, then stimulates. That's why people do light therapy for depression and seasonal affective disorder. But that in turn sets the rhythm and your own body's clockwork at night to secrete more melatonin and increase that urge to sleep and that sleepy, what is known as sleep drive to help you fall asleep easily, even naturally without having to supplement with melatonin. So, and definitely making sure that your room is dark and devoid of all forms of even those tiny pesky lights from electronics is so important. Blue light itself, we all know, but it is true that it can really stimulate our brains and impact sleep. And so using blue blocking lights, uh, glasses or dimming your lights in preparation for bedtime is such a simple hack that can help you sleep better through the night. The second thing I would put is temperature. So our body temperature varies in, uh, throughout the day so that in the morning, our own thermostat brings up the temperature so we can wake up even without an alarm clock. And then at night, cools it down. So if we can cool down our core temperature, that allows our body to rest better and fall asleep easily. And so again, things like not only keeping the room temperature cooler at night, but before going to bed, taking a hot bath leads to vasodilatation, which makes your core temperature actually fall and fall asleep. And there are devices like the chilly sleep mattress and things which externally help you cool down. But that has, again, led to studies that show that you sleep better through the night. Other than that, sound and noise can make a big impact too. So our brain can still listen even while we're asleep. And that's why sometimes white noise can distract us from external noises. Because looking back to the times when our ancestors were supposed to be alert in case they got eaten up by a tiger in the middle of the night. So it was, and we're not like dolphins that can sleep with half their brain asleep and half awake. But at the same time, we are wired to be uh, alert at any 
especially alarming noise. And that's why it's so important to make sure that uh, if you have uh, ambient noise, then you can use uh, music, you can use other rhythms like uh, rain and things like that to help you sleep better through the night. So just um, between the light, sound and temperature, you can really achieve much better sleep, uh, among other things like the timing of eating, uh, making sure that you're not eating too close to bedtime. And that can actually cause an elevation of your heart rate. So your heart rate plays a big role in deep restorative sleep. And heart rate variability is, again, another great marker for deep, restful sleep. So how can we achieve that? Again, there are many ways like meditation, journaling, gratitude, and just deep breathing, which can really help uh, your heart rate fall during deep, restful sleep. And then now there are so many devices, including the Oura Ring, that can measure that and help you with deeper sleep. Dr. Betty, you were just talking about breathing and sleep, and that's huge. And I love uh, James Nestor's work on mouth breathing and sleep apnea, which is diminished oxygenation, which can play a huge role as well. And simple things like mouth taping can help with that as well. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. You, uh, you pointed out the aura ring. So I've worn one since they first came out and there were these big, it looked kind of like one of those lollipop rings from childhood. You know, it was very big. I have about four and a half years of, of data watching this. And if everybody, you know, if anybody's watching this on video, I have dental work in. I have braces that I had put back in because I went back and did palate expansion. So I actually went through dental work to expand my palate to open up the airway. I didn't have apnea, but I had upper airway resistance. So by the time I got to REM sleep every night, it was like you're breathing through a straw and it went down to a cocktail straw. So all of a sudden, my brain would constantly get this arousal message. When I was younger and I had better hormone balance and I had, you know, better levels of GABA and serotonin, I, I could handle it. I could wake up. But, you know, I hit my late 40s and I was like, oh, my gosh, I I'm just can't function. And it really was the aura ring that helped me kind of hone in on where the real problem was. Because when you get a sleep study, a lot of the times, unless it's a true apnea, the sleep doctors are going to tell you it's not bad. But I had 42 arousals an hour, you know, so there's this constant sort of my brain going, huh, what? And then if there was anything that woke me up, it was over. I was going to be up for hours. And so I think tracking sleep and understanding where the problem occurs is so important. You know, in the circadian rhythm, I want to jump back to that, too. I live in Texas, you know, so it gets very hot. I think it's supposed to be 99 today, which is insane. Wow. <laughs> Too early in the year. But what's funny is I watch because now it stays light until almost 8 30, 9 o'clock at night. And in the wintertime, I'm I'm in bed by 9 30. But you can watch my aura ring and everything else shifts as that circadian rhythm slightly shifts. I go to bed slightly later because I need a little more dark time. I use amber glasses, but it shifts a little bit by about a half hour to 45 minutes. And I sleep slightly later in the morning naturally. So it's understanding those patterns and not giving up the sleep for the gym because most people are overdoing the gym if they're trying to like lose weight and things like that, thinking that's going to move the needle when the sleep is probably the bigger thing. So no matter how hard you're trying, if you're not sleeping well, that could really be harming your natural surge of growth hormone, which occurs during deep sleep. 
but also raising your cortisol, which can hamper your efforts at losing weight despite the exercising, especially getting at at 4.30 in the morning or 5 a.m. to work out, right? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Yeah, sleep apnea carries the same risk for mortality as smoking, actually slightly higher. You know, anything that's interrupting your sleep and, and causing issues is going to increase basically any metabolic damage that you have. So I agree completely. Tell our listeners, you mentioned the HPA um, axis, which is the hypothalamic pituitary axis. Talk about a little more in depth about what's really happening there, particularly when it's stress-related sleep problems. Because I think we have the hormonal thing that happens when we're perimenopause and menopause, but I think stress is driving the biggest part of that. The hypothalamus, which is the master uh, signal controller in our brain, uh, when it receives this negative feedback signal, anytime we are stressed, so cortisol, which is produced in the adrenal glands, but it is kind of in sync with the hypothalamus, the pituitary, which then tells the adrenals to secrete more cortisol. And then that wires our hypothalamus to go into that fight flight mode, which is all day long, all night long, instead of only say when our ancestors were being chased by a tiger or uh, they were running away from danger and seeking shelter. So in today's life, because even when you're sitting in traffic, it could be someone is honking, someone else, it's not you, it's what's going on around you that's happening. And this just puts you in this constant state of being alert. And that can really impact both falling asleep, as well as especially staying asleep through the night. And then this becomes like a vicious cycle that we cannot escape from. And so one of the things we can do to help support this intricate circle of feedback loop is trying to stimulate the other system, which is your rest and digest system, the parasympathetic system. And there are numerous ways we can do that. It's really a matter of just prioritizing it and making the time to do that. And really, whatever works for you, you don't have to be in the Zen state and close your eyes and be like a Buddha under a tree. But there are many other things you can incorporate into your daily schedule and routine that can help up the parasympathetic and the vagal tone. And that can really make a difference. And, you know, sometimes we poo-poo it that, oh, it doesn't work, but it has been shown to not only help sleep, but longevity and long-term health because the effects like dementia, diabetes, insulin resistance, can be a consequence of not sleeping well. Even if you don't have sleep apnea, there can be other metabolic consequences of not sleeping well through the night. I'm glad you brought up like cognitive issues and dementia because, you know, women, women have a greater risk for Alzheimer's and cognitive decline. Yes, we do live longer than men, but it, a lot of it is related to our hormones and, and other things. And several years ago, before I started this process with my dental work, I did a uh, cognitive test, uh, a couple different ones, a functional QEEG and then another one called CNS. 
And at the time, we were in the middle of moving into another building. I have a very huge clinic. I was still carrying my patient load, and I was in the middle of my PhD, like right smack in the middle of it. And I took an accelerated program, so I was a full-time student. And at the same time, so I, you know, 40 hours of patients, da, da, da. so I was doing too much because I'm a type A and it's my nature. So it was interesting. I did that cognitive test probably at the height of the worst scenario, right in the middle of pairing and of really menopause, that final like year and a half. And what was really interesting is it showed like we could tell on the screen that the areas that I felt weren't working very well, like I was having a hard time with, with memory recall of what I just read, which I've always been good at. They could, they could hone in on this is because of sleep problems, cortisol problems in the brain and hormonal changes in the brain. So it was really, really clear that it was all things I could change and all things I could impact, you know, which is why we use these things in, in our practice. But what's really interesting, flash forward several years later, done it again. And it's significantly better because my sleep is like spot on. Do I have days where it's not great? Sure. But overall, comparatively, it's so, so different. And it's such a huge impact to be able to, you know, I'm obviously a science person. I like to quantify things, but to be able to quantify it, recognize what's happening, be able to act on it and see it change. It's huge. Absolutely. You know, the cognition, even temporarily, so many women anyway are experiencing brain fog, moodiness, lack of focus and concentration. And then to top it all, if you're not sleeping well, it can really impact it as you saw in your objective data and testing in terms of your cognitive performance. And this is true for so many women, but the good news is you can actually better your score once you better your sleep. Uh, We don't want to wait till our uh, memory is far gone. There are so many things we can do proactively in our 40s so that we don't end up in our 80s with dementia. And, And sleep is one of the ways that you can do that to really restore and really clean up your brain and restore your memories because that only happens with both uh, deep non-REM sleep and REM sleep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So a lot of people think they need to turn to hormones. When do you find hormone replacement important for women? Obviously, everybody's an individual, but there's probably some key factors that you look at and go, okay, we've got the hygiene, we've got, you know, all the parasympathetic stuff, we're working on it. Where would you, where would you jump to hormones? I like to check, first of all, the levels because everyone's different. And if they have tried it all and it's still not working, then and their levels show that everything's in the tank, then I'll definitely turn to bioidentical hormones. Even in perimenopause, you may not have everything in the tank, but what you may have is a a relative deficiency of progesterone as compared to, say, estrogen or even testosterone. But I also look at uh, adrenal hormones like cortisol, DHEA, pregnenolone, and sometimes just helping with that at uh, what I call baby doses, depending on where you are in that age range, in the hormone levels range, it can really be a game changer in terms of improving the quality of your sleep. 
especially women who are suffering with migraine headaches, a lot of moodiness, a lot of brain fog, and maybe also having simultaneous period issues uh, because of estrogen dominance, then it can help so many uh, symptoms by doing that one or two things. Okay, great, great. Because I know that's a lot of times, you know, people go out online and they start reading and they jump to that first. And it's like, okay, that that may or may not be true because everybody's a little different, a little different. So you shared some things, definitely the temperature, the the lighting, the circadian rhythm. Is there anything else that you're like, okay, no matter what you're doing, ladies, you've got to work on this to get your sleep like honed in. So one of the things is definitely your stress and trying to stimulate your parasympathetic system because for that, again, you don't need even supplements. So what I found that really worked for me is breathing and the meditating part. And sometimes, uh, like you, Betty, my mind's going <laughs> at a breakneck speed, but I can do things externally to help me. So I do love some of the apps that are available to sort of do guided meditation because I'm not good at it on my own. It, it took me a lot of practice, but I do uh, know that if I don't do it, I miss it. And I can sleep even if I'm in a hotel, even if I'm traveling, it makes it easier to kind of turn in and just kind of let go. It's a matter of letting go and syncing it with my deep breathing. And this is absolutely free and everyone can do it. And it can really make a difference because it can impact your heart rate variability. So I do love things like heart math and measuring your heart and the new aura ring measures your heart rate variability better than the previous generation. And I love that as well, because it can really help you dial down on your own sleep patterns and help you help yourself better. Great. Is there anything else you want to add that you think ladies need to know? You're like, ladies, you've got to know this about your sleep. Definitely. So, uh, uh, you know, you've done the sleep hygiene th things, you've measured your hormones. Uh, what are some simple things that you can do? So definitely intermittent fasting. I love that. Uh, trying to not eat at least two to three hours before bedtime, preferably three. Um, the other is um, some of the things that I find most people are lacking in is simple things like magnesium. So an Epsom salt bath or a lavender, just a few drops. They actually did a head-to-head -head study between Valium and lavender, um, and they found it was much better and less addictive with less side effects to do uh, lavender in the form of an enclosed capsule. Uh, this was a, a you know randomized control trial uh, for anxiety and for sleep. So um, uh, Epsom salts, but even taking a magnesium supplement, if that's something you can tolerate, making sure it's a chelated supplement. And one of my favorite things is theanine because it just helps your brain to calm down and it has no side effects uh, because it's derived from green tea without caffeine. 
caffeine and really to help you stay asleep and not wake up groggy the next morning. So I have found just those Two supplements can be so helpful in case someone needs that uh, to help really um, that added better sleep as well. Great, great. Now you have a free gift that you want to give to our listeners. Will you tell them what it is? So this is my free masterclass that if you click on the link that you can watch on stress, health and hormones and causes of belly fat. Great, great. And we'll link to that in the show notes so everybody can listen to it. And so, gosh, thank you for coming and talking about sleep and hormones. And I hope I hope my listeners really got an opportunity to maybe find some nuggets of, of, of truth that you can start putting in place so you can get better sleep from now going forward. And then we'll have you on again to talk later. Thank you so much. And it was such a pleasure being here. Thank you so much for tuning into this functional life. You are why I'm here and I am so very grateful. You're here for a reason. I celebrate your commitment to claiming your youthful energy and stepping into this next phase of life, feeling vibrant, healthy, and powerful. I am so proud of you. Hit subscribe so you don't miss any wisdom on creating the most exceptional life on our terms. If this episode helped you in any way, please share it with a friend to spread the love and together we rise. You can follow me on social media at Betty Murray PhD. And if you want a chance to share your story with our tribe or find out more about working with my team, you can sign up at chatwithbetty.com slash podcast. Again, that's chatwithbetty.com slash podcast. See you next week. Bye-bye.